Praise the Lord. Today we're going to be wrapping up our God is Faithful series in the month of January. And um, we're so excited about the message for today, part five, called the Valley of Barakah. Can you repeat that after me? Everybody say the Valley of Barakah. And uh, you just saw a, a summary of the four weeks uh, messages prior in a, in a little video short, a compilation that our team put together, um, which was a, a wonderful, wonderful review of how we started off this new year. Um, our first week focusing on the faithfulness of God was January 1st. The second week was a focus in prayer and fasting and the people of God coming together. Amen. The third week, we focused on the battle is not yours, but it's whose? The Lord's. And last week, the message was worship before, during, and after the war. And this week is the Valley of Barakah. And I'd like to begin the message today by surveying the crowd what are some of the things that God has been showing us through the word through the message go ahead and shout it out faithfulness prayer obedience what else praise yes praise what else worship what else Hope, yes, hope. Trust. Amen. Isn't the word of God alive? The word is living in us, you guys, because we serve a living God. And the living God, the living word is Jesus Christ. And, and if we have invited Jesus to come into our lives, you guys, then he makes all the difference. He changes things in our lives and he changes things in the world. And we have to take the word and make it tangible. We have to take the word of God and let it transform our lives by living it out. We have to take the word of God and we have to start living in such a way that it actually has power. And we know that the only way you can tap into the power of heaven is by faith. Because faith is what activates the word of God. Faith is what takes the word of God and these black and red letters and, and pulls them off the page and turns them into living flesh. You and I living out the kingdom message. You and I allowing Jesus Christ to come into this dead shell of ours and bringing it to life. How many of you know that after the rains come the blessings? After the rains in Southern California come green pastures next door. The hills of Pasadena are full of beautiful colors. Judah and I are going to go hiking in Palos Verdes today to enjoy God's nature and see all of the shrubbery, all of the flowers that are coming forth. It's going to be awesome, me and my boy on a hike. After the storm comes the blessing. 
But you got to hang on during the storm. You can't let go during the storm. You can't jump ship during the storm. Stick with the crew. Stick with the captain. The captain's sticking with us. He's going to bring you through that storm, amen? He's going to bring us through this storm. And, and today we want to talk about what happens on the other side of the storm. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If, if you see that I'm excited today, it's because I am. Because I believe the Lord has, has given us the answers to the test. I believe the Lord has given us the ability to crack the code. I believe the Lord has given us the significance and the meaning of the parable that this whole chapter has been to us. The life and the story of King Jehoshaphat and Judah. We are cracking the code today. Are you ready to crack the code? Yeah, you ready to crack the code? In chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, we're going to pick up in verse 24 and we're going to read all the way to verse 30. If you have it, say word. If you have your Bible, stick it up in the air and say word. If you have your Bible, stick it up higher and say word. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go to the word. Verse 24, it says this. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, you guys, that that lookout place is a watchtower. It's a place where God speaks to his people and God reveals things to his people. That's when people are listening and they're, they're watching. And they look toward the vast army. Watch this, you guys. Watch what happens right here. They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. What's the significance of dead bodies? What's the significance of no escape of the enemy? What's the significance of this great destruction that has come against the people of God? So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away somebody say amen there was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it somebody say three days three days has a lot of symbolism and meaning in the bible doesn't it and on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Berakah where they praise the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Berakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem with and went into the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. The fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest 
on every side. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I, I praise you, Lord Jesus. And, and today, Lord God, we ask that your word would bring forth fruit. Father, I pray that your word, Father God, will take on new meaning right now for your people. Father, I pray that your word, Lord Jesus, would bring us to another place as a people, as believers, as your children, as your chosen instruments. Father God, I pray that you would change us. Lord God, I pray that you'd open our minds, you'd open our hearts, and you'd open our spiritual eyes that we might see beautiful things in your law today. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus and the people of God said, and the people of God said, amen. Put your hands together. Come on, people of God. Come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you're going to get excited, get excited right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Today is our Super Bowl. We'll see in a couple of weeks who's in that other one. You know, uh, in a couple of weeks, my wife and I, we're going to celebrate 20 years of marriage. Woo-hoo! Man. Stand up, baby girl. She hates it when I put her on blast. I love you. And you're so fine. Twenty years of marriage. Twenty years of growing. Twenty years of a lot of grace. Mostly on her part towards me. 20 years of forgiveness, 20 years of failures, 20 years of challenges, 20 years of putting to death a lot of things that we both have that we brought into this marriage that the Lord said you're going to have to get rid of if you want to continue on in this journey. You're going to have to lighten up your load a little bit if you want to get to your destination. 20 years, you guys. There comes times in the life of a believer when you have to be able to put a name on a moment. When Boomy and I first met, It was not exactly love at first sight, but there was a whole lot of good things going on. And then a few weeks into us getting to know each other, I want to call this moment in in my life and in our marriage, the interview. So I'm going to give meaning to the moment when Boomy called me and I answered on my my flip cell phone and pulled up the antenna so I could get better reception in Westwood up there in the Calton Avenue apartments. And she says, "Um, Josh, is it okay if I come over? Are you you busy? I just, 
I just have a few questions. I just wanted to come and talk. I said, yeah, sure, come on over. We sat down, and we were in an interview. And she says, well, I just want to know if I can ask some questions. and You just be honest with me. And I said, absolutely. And she asked her questions. And then I said, well, you know, I got a few questions of my own. You ain't the only detective around here. <laughs> Call me Columbo or MacGyver. I grew up in MacGyver. I was a MacGyver. Me and my dad used to watch MacGyver on a plastic, sweaty brown couch that we used to have. You know, when we used to get off, we used to, our back used to peel off the couch like, <laughs> and be all sweating and dripping, you know. Watching MacGyver. So I asked her my questions, you know. And so I call that moment in our life one of the, the, the first real moments that were a part of our journey in our life together, the interview. And then there are several other moments like that in our marriage, like the trial of when our son Judah was born prematurely and my father was in the hospital. We thought it was his deathbed. And he survived it. And I lost 20 pounds I didn't have to lose, right, Nana? And I was pastoring our church at 29 years old, and learning. I call that the trial. The Lord brought us through the trial. The Lord had to fill in a whole bunch of gaps. After the trial, we realized things we were lacking on our belt, our tool belt of faith and life. We were lacking because the Lord exposed because we were just like crushed. You know, and olives are crushed and you get olive oil, you know. God was just crushing. God was bringing us through a, a tough time. We made it through that time. I call that time the trial. After that trial, man, required counseling. I'm, I'm just I'm being real. Counseling for me, Boomy, together to make it through. There's a whole lot of moments that you and I, we look back on life and they're either victorious moments, they're moments of learning, they're moments of, of loss, moments of struggle, but they're all moments nonetheless. And in those moments are when you have to name the moment and you have to bring that moment and, and that name and whatever that monument is to the Lord as a memorial unto God. And then you invite God into the process of you recognizing it so that it could propel you to the next one. How many of you know that in the mountain ranges, the higher and higher you go, the valleys go up. You go up and then there's another valley, but it's actually not as low as the other one. You keep moving on a trajectory. You know, there are moments in the Bible like... The battle in 1 Samuel chapter 7, which is where we get our church name Ebenezer, Rock of Help. It was a battle where the people of Israel were outnumbered once again, and they were fighting the Philistines, and the Lord came through for them. And the Bible says that he was their help, their source of help. In Spanish, it's auxilio, auxiliary, the help. And after they fought the battle, what did they name the stone? That was right there at the battlefield. They named it Ebenezer. Eben, stone. Ezer, help. That is now the stone of help. That's a memorial. That is now a monument that we will always remember that God got us through. That God had our back. 
that God delivered me, that God saw me through when I didn't, couldn't make it on my own. When God saw us through, because God knows what we've been through. You got to have those kind of moments in your faith if you want to grow. There's going to be deserts. You're going to be like, this is the desert of broken heart. And God worked on you and you had to give a whole bunch of things to God. Then you're going to go through the pass. This is the pass of just making it. I remember when we were surviving on frijoles and arroz and tortillas and Jesus. And we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Here, the, the, the people of Israel had just finished the battle. And God had used King Jehoshaphat to teach them how to go into the battle. And God was teaching King Jehoshaphat how to go to God, how to go to him when you need help. He was teaching them that if you do it my way, you can't lose. If you do it the Lord's way, you win every time. You win every time when you do it the Lord's way. Sister Boomy said it. We serve an undefeated God. He's a God of victory. The people of Israel were here. It says that when the people got to the lookout, as they were going into war, they were singing and praising. It says in loud voice, which is what Judah means. Judah means praise. It means that the people of Judah we're living out their name by praising and worshiping God in the loudest of voices. They were singing. They were declaring victory over their situation. And they got to the lookout place. And when they got to the lookout place, there was nothing but dead bodies strewn across the land. And they looked to one another and they said, well, I'll be. All this death and destruction and we didn't have to lift a single finger, but God went before us. God goes before us. Hallelujah. How many of you know that God is faithful? And when they saw that the three armies that had come against Israel were utterly destroyed, Jehoshaphat and the rest of their leaders and commanders said, well, go ahead. Go take all the plunder. Take all their clothing, take all the equipment, take all the tools, take all the, 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 uh, the weapons, take all the gold, take all the silver, take everything that they have. It's an interesting moment because we don't like to think of all this kind of violence that was taking place and happening. But guess what? Newsflash. The enemy seeks to steal kill and destroy your life, your family's life, your loved one's lives, your friend's lives. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to rob you of your dignity. He wants to take your, your faith and your hope and your joy away. 
So when we wage war against the enemy, know that the meaning of this story is unfolding right before our very eyes. And it's life and death. Oh, well, it ain't that bad. No, it's life and death. It's life and death. It's life and death. We're going to see why. We're going to see how. After they went and took all the plunder and realized that it took three days to gather all the plunder that was there from these three opposing armies. They couldn't believe it. All of these blessings straight from God. And then it says they gathered where? What does the Bible say? Go ahead. Look in the Bible. Where does it say? Where do they gather after they brought back all the plunder? Where? The valley of what? Berakah. The valley of Berakah. What does Berakah mean? What does it mean? It means blessing. And the Bible says that it was after that point that they continued to name that place the valley of Berakah. So that tangible location, that, that place on this rock, they gave it a meaning. They gave it a name because of what they were experiencing. They were experiencing blessing. So that's what we're extracting. That's what, what happens, you guys, when we go have a moment and we name a moment. We give it a meaning and we continue to grow in our faith. It says, on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. And this is why it's called the valley of Barakah to this day. And then they went singing and praising and rejoicing back to the temple with all the people thanking God. So in other words, when we go to that place, you guys, and, and you're now standing in a place, and now it's time for you to receive your blessing. All that hardship, now it's time to walk in your blessing. But sometimes Christians are, are, are afraid to accept the blessings that God has with their name on it. Sometimes Christians think that because of life and because of what we've done, that we don't deserve the good things of God. Sometimes we punish ourselves. Sometimes, as they say, we shoot ourselves in the foot. Sometimes we sabotage our lives. We sabotage our spiritual, spiritual walks because of unfaithfulness or because of mistakes that we've made even in the, in, the, in the midst of our journey with him. Oh, we make a mistake here. We're like, oh, man, I don't really deserve all of God, God's goodness. Well, that's the enemy continuing to try and rob you of, of the things that belong to you that God wants to give you. God wants you to Live with two hands open to receive your blessings. It's time to walk in your blessing, church. It's time to call out to heaven and ask God to pour out the blessings upon you that you cannot contain. It's time to 
to unshackle yourselves from, from thinking that you have to punish yourself for some reason or that you're not worthy or you don't deserve it or you don't deserve that raise or you don't deserve that promotion or you don't deserve that new job or you don't deserve that husband or you don't deserve that wife or you don't deserve your child. You don't deserve the great things. You don't deserve that house that God wants to bless you with. You don't deserve that new car that God wants to give you. You don't deserve all the things that God wants to just pour out over you and, and lavish blessings and riches upon you. Time to let that go. It's time to walk in your blessing because it's not your faithfulness that matters, but it's his. It's God's blessing. It's God's faithfulness. It's God's desire to pour it out all over you. So as, as Pastor Kobe and I were talking this week about the message and, and we're getting excited about the word of God and could, could hardly contain ourselves, it struck me, it hit me, you guys. As Pastor Kobe was preaching at the next service, you want to stick around, go ahead. We got an interpreter too. It hit me, you guys. We're cracking the code today. This is a parable of Christ. It's a parable of Jesus. It's a parable of, of when the people of God truly surrender to God and do it his way. They call out for help and they say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you for everything, Father God. I'm learning that the battle is not mine, but it belongs to you. I'm learning how to go to you in prayer and in fasting, Father God. I'm learning, Father God, to worship before, during, and after the war and to praise, and to thank you, Lord, and to rejoice. I'm learning, Father God, how to get rid of all this other stuff that don't need to be there. That's why I got my stomping boots on today. Booyah, what's up? My checker boots. We're cracking the code. It's a parable of Jesus. And it's what the Lord gave me. Number one. The only reason they were able to gather at the valley of Berakah, the valley of blessing, was because they were alive. So the first blessing is the blessing of life. Not one person from the people of Judah or Israel died. God gave them life. when they called out to him. Somebody say life. The second thing that they received was the blessing of love. They stood together with their families and their loved ones. And they were reminded that God loved them that's the second blessing. It's the blessing of relationship. The relationship that you have with your heavenly father through Jesus Christ and the relationships that we have with one another within the people of God and even those in the world that God has called us to love. The third blessing is the blessing of riches. Three days of plunder, material wealth, 
things, all of this stuff. Let's just leave it at that. Riches. And the fourth blessing was the blessing which may be one of the most important of all these. It's the blessing of peace. It says that after this war, all of the nations around them were at peace with Israel because they were terrified at how God had delivered his people. It's peace. It says that they were at rest. I don't know about you, but I'm 44 years old now, man. Peace and rest is, is one of the things that I covet most. <laughs> peace and rest, peace of mind, peace with our brothers and sisters. If you don't have peace, you're seeking God to find it. You're seeking God to reconcile it. You're seeking God to make things right, make things better. How many of you know that peace is so important? You're like, those are great. They're very tangible ways that I can apply this to my life, Pastor. It's very practical. This is awesome. This is beautiful. It's the Word of God. It's making me stronger. I feel stronger right now. I can run through a wall right now. Hallelujah. I can jump over buildings with a single bound. We feel like supermen and women. But watch this. That's not cracking the code. Cracking the code is seeing the spiritual meaning of the blessings. The spiritual meaning of the blessing, when somebody calls out to God, their creator, and finds Jesus, is that they receive eternal life. Is that we receive abundant life. We receive abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we find Jesus in this story. The second thing that we see through Jesus Christ is the love of the Father. The love of the Father. The gift that Jesus is to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. That's the love that we receive, which enables us to love freely. To give it away. Stop hoarding it. Share it. Give it away. Bottle it up. Sell it. Kidding. In a good way. In a spiritual way. Share and give of what God has given to you. The third is that the Lord has blessed us with spiritual riches through the Holy Spirit. That's why people, why are you always smiling? Why are you always, why you, how can you even be that way when you're going through your situation? I just talked to somebody right now. I had no clue that they had just lost their job. I had no clue that, that they were going through such a difficult time in their life. I could not tell it. I couldn't tell. Wow. But the spiritual riches, you guys, that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Guys, the spiritual riches that the Lord pours onto your lap. Don't compare it to any other kind of riches the world has to offer. We all know that to be true. Oh, man, I would trade this in a heartbeat to get that. How about when the people saw that Jesus and the disciples were walking around doing miracles and people came, businessmen came to them and said, hey, hey, what can we do to get those powers? And Jesus is like, what we have, you can't buy, my friend. What, what we have, you can't buy. It's only found in the Son of God. Amen? What I, what I got, I can't buy. What you got, you, you can't buy. Nobody could buy. Hallelujah. And peace. When you invite Jesus to, to come into your heart, when you make things right with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus, He gives you peace. We're no longer at odds with him. He takes your sin and my sin and our failures and our shortcomings and he takes them upon himself. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I would become the righteousness of God. That's his peace. Jesus made it possible for us to be at peace with God because we deserve death. Sin brings on death. We still sin. We deserve death. But because of Jesus, he takes our place. His blood covers us. His blood washes us. The blood of Jesus transcends all. That's why it doesn't make sense to the world. Everybody wants a scientific explanation of how this God stuff works. But they ain't going to get it in this world. Jesus told everybody around him, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The things of heaven you'll never be able to understand if you can't receive the words that I have for you. What does Jesus say in John chapter 8? He says you must eat my body, my flesh, and drink my blood. They said, this teaching is too hard for us, and people walked away. What is that teaching? That we receive Jesus' broken body for our healing, and we receive his blood for the forgiveness of sin. Repentance of sin and gives us eternal life. Mission Ebenezer, has God been good to you? Mission Ebenezer, has God given you life? Has God given you love? Has God given you riches? Has God given you peace? Enough said. Let's stand.